Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Benjamin Netanyahu out as Prime Minister of Israel. Naftali Bennett is in. The praise for Netanyahu continues. As you complete your successful tenure as the Prime Minister of the State of Israel, I convey my profound gratitude for your leadership and personal attention to India-Israel strategic partnership. That from Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister of India. President Biden already sending out to Bennett. Congratulations. There is no stronger friend uh, to Israel than the United States. But how does Iran look at this? The terrorist organizations that they fund, Hamas and Hezbollah. How does Russia look at this, or China for that matter? Other nations, those who have engaged with Israel regarding the Abraham Accords. How do they look at this move that takes Netanyahu out of power after 12 years And is there really a unity government? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter uh, at Tony Katz. Aviv Ezra joins us right now. He is the Council General uh, uh, from Israel to the Midwest. And you take a look at this, uh, sir. I'm in many ways the outsider looking in. Uh, First, can you give us a description of who Naftali? Bennett uh, is the, the the prime minister and what Americans or maybe the world can expect from from this coalition that he formed this government he formed yeah thank you again thank you for having me on your show this is I think uh, really truly uh, in a sense an historical day because we in Israel don't have term limits as you know and we did have Netanyahu as a prime minister for 12 years uh, Naftali Bennett has been is re, 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 I would say uh, relatively speaking, is relatively new in the system, only about 10 years. He uh, has a, a deep experience in the private sector, and he uh, have deep experience, of course, as a minister in different uh, uh, governments in the past uh, 10 years, including, but not limited to, Minister of Defense, Minister of Education. So he's been around for, for uh, I would say, uh, enough years to have the experience. But what we see today is a really a coalition that we did not have in the past and very unprecedented in many manners. Uh, one of which, for example, is that Nafali Benes is leading a, uh, a coalition with a party that has a very uh, limited amount of seat. Usually the prime minister would represent the largest party in the Knesset. Uh, in this case, for example, Netanyahu has 30 seats. Uh, Naftali Bennett has uh, only six or seven seats. It depends because there's one that is not voting with him. Uh, and that is because of the const- unique constellation of this coalition uh, framework, which uh, which has very which has a few very interesting, unprecedented uh, uh, factors to it that I can elaborate if you like. So this idea that we're being presented with of a unity government, you bring up the fact that the that uh, Naftali Bennett's party, which they refer to as a far right party, different than how we in the United States might think of far right, only has uh, five voting uh, seats, even though uh, the Likud party led by Benjamin Netanyahu has uh, 30 seats. So that is rare that somebody with those few seats in a, in a Knesset of 120 would be able to be prime minister. But I think the question that America 
Americans have is we're told a unity government, but the vote in the Knesset was 60 to 59. Exactly how fragile or how strong is this coalition that puts Naftali Bennett as prime minister? Look, as you mentioned, this is uh, truly a spectrum of parties that are sitting under this coalition. A very, very, uh, I would say, a large spectrum ranging from very right-wing parties to all the way to not only a very kind of a left-wing parties, but including the Arab and an Arab, uh, Israeli Arab party that is part of the coalition, again, in an unprecedented manner. So you have uh, a situation where uh, uh, Yamina, which is the right-wing party of Bennett, but also Gidon Saar, which is exactly the same in terms of ideological right-wing elements, and you have on the other side Labour, and then you have the Islamic party, <laughs> which is also part of the coalition. So in a sense, you're right that this uh, coalition is uh, it could be fragile, but on the other hand, it seems to uh, to me that it's very strong in terms of uh, the, the the need and the urgency to to move forward and to work together. And it seems that uh, they're they're starting very strong, and it has also a lot of foreign policy implications. Talking to Aviv Ezra, Council General uh, of Israel uh, to the the, the Midwest. Um, the idea of unity government it's only 60 votes it's it's a, it's a win by by one vote in this for the israeli people was the removal of benjamin netanyahu something that was necessary or was it rather something that they were told would bring about a better result and if so what is that I think the fatigue at the public opinion was actually from the ongoing relentless cycles of elections. As you know, we went through four elections in two years, which is, again, unprecedented. And uh, everyone wanted to prevent ourselves from going to another cycle, which would have been the fifth. Uh, In that capacity, I think all of the parties that are part of this coalition don't have an interest to go to another cycle, a fifth cycle, because of the fact that it's a fifth cycle in two years, very short period of time, but also because of the fact that uh, it's not very clear whether they will uh, receive the same results of uh, the previous election. So I think uh, the government, in a sense, will be uh, stable and will move forward, and we have a new foreign minister. We have a new, uh, uh, on top of the new prime minister, we have a new foreign minister, and uh, the, the defense minister is the same defense minister, Benny Gantz. Uh, and I think the messages across the world is that we have a, a new government which is stable and is moving forward. Now let's talk about what to expect. At any time that there's a change in leadership, there is a danger. Other nations want to test and want uh, to to press. We are used to, from a Netanyahu-led Israel, a nation that is prepared for strength in response, and certainly we saw that as uh, Hamas was engaging in rocket attacks, not only what Iron Dome has done, but the responses uh, that we saw. Uh, you have in, in Naftali Bennett, somebody who's served as a defense minister. I, I don't necessarily, in my view, regard him as weak, although he has part he has put together a coalition that certainly would not see things with the same level of response tactic that maybe I would use. Uh, is Israel right now in a more threatened position because of this changeover, because it's just a changeover, or because of who is involved in the changeover? Well, I think the first 
strength that we could uh, project to the world and to our neighbors here is that Israel is a strong democracy. We have a transfer, a peaceful transfer of power. This is not something that you can say, uh, definitely not uh, something that you could see around our neck of the woods, but also in other places. And it implies that Israel's democracy is strong, is vibrant, and is happening in, in a manner that it should happen. Second, in terms of uh, Israel's capabilities to defend itself by itself, and in terms of the foreign policy topics that are on, on the agenda, I think this uh, government, the incoming government, the new government, is uh, making sure that our adversaries uh, know that uh, on top of our capabilities as the IDF and other capabilities that we have, the government itself is very focused, crystal focused on the on the threats that are around uh, we are our, our allies. The United States of America is one of our first phone calls that our Prime Minister had with uh, uh, President Biden. And our Foreign Minister has spoken uh, with uh, Secretary of State Blinken, and uh, and more more of that. I mean, uh, it's very clear that the message from the Foreign Minister about the JCPOA that this is a bad deal and we still oppose it is very clear, and that we want to prevent Iran from obtaining a nuclear weapon, and we'll do whatever needs to be done to do that. And, of course, that we are continuing to work to strengthen our peace with the Gulf states, with Egypt and with Jordan, and we will work to sign additional agreements with more countries in the region beyond it. It's a process. It will take time. Uh, and last but not least, uh, the fact that we have the right to defend ourselves, including against Hamas, they need to know that we won't hesitate to respond with force to any rocket or terror attack. And, 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 and this is what this government uh, relates to our enemies. Now, one of the things that you discuss is, as you discuss relations, sir, uh, one must question the Abraham Accords because yes. you take these nations that are working to normalize relations with Israel without having to have the quote-unquote Palestinian question answered, and you wonder, or maybe it's just me who wonders, were they signing a, an agreement with Israel or were they signing an agreement with Netanyahu's Israel? Are the those nations, uh, Bahrain, and others that have uh, engaged in the Abraham Accords, are these deals now threatened with this new leadership? No, no, not at all. I think the peace accord is pretty clear that it's signed. Yes, you're right. It was signed in a trilateral manner with President Trump, Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, at, at the table. But the, the, the peace accord has been signed between countries and not between leaders. And part of our work will, of course, be to strengthen our presence in the region. And great things have happened in the past year. You're right. But we need to continue the development that started with the Abraham Accord to work to strengthen the peace with other Gulf states. So I don't think Bahrain, you in any way, shape, or form is the peace accord with is shaky. On the contrary, the reason they signed this peace accord is not because of a certain leader or, 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 or a different leader, but because of the fact that they're very concerned about Iran as a very negative player that is threatening them, and because of the economic cooperation between Israel, the UAE, and Bahrain that has been proved already uh, very significant in uh, direct investment from both sides, in tourism from both sides, in aviation connections. Uh, so, so the interests are much, much higher than one uh, specific leader in a democracy or not. And, and as I said, you know, in, the, in democracy, you're going to have different leaders. So it has to uh, be able to, to, to cross the Rubicon of uh, working with other leaders. Before I let you go, sir, Aviv Azra, Council General uh, to the Midwest uh, from Israel, I 
depending on who you talk to, right, there'll be people who hated Netanyahu and and the impediment to peace. I'm not one of of those people. Uh, But there will be the others who will say that without Netanyahu, Israel is not safe and secure. Maybe you're in a bad position, or I'm putting you in a bad position because of the position that you hold, uh, but the question gets asked anyway, and I'll take the answer that, that you give me. Is there a feeling that Israel is in a worse-off safety position with this new leadership as opposed to the idea of new leadership in general? Well, uh, you know, as a government employee, <laughs> right. I'll not be able to give any, and I would, I should not, and I would not, and uh, I don't need to give any grades to any uh, government in Israel. As, uh, uh, but to say that this is uh, the product of the democratically, it's a democratically elected government, the product of the process of democracy in Israel, and I can tell you more than that, any uh, government that will be uh, established in Israel will reflect the sum of all capabilities of Israel to defend itself by itself. It could be the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, it could be other mechanisms that we have. And we have the Joint Chief of Staff, we have the head of, uh, of many other uh, organizations of such, you know, security services. And we have the resilience of the state of Israel and the people of Israel. So at the end of the day, the leadership that will emerge, whether it's Netanyahu, whether it's Bennett, whether it's Gantz, or whether it's Lapid, at the end of the day, I think will reflect those capabilities of the country. And I think that, uh, you know, you're looking at a very unique structure that here in America you're not used to. You're looking at a coalition government. In America, you would look at somebody like Pat Buchanan and Elizabeth Warren sitting in the same coalition. <laughs> but in Israel, it's, 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 it's working in a sense, and we're hoping that it will work for, uh, for a good period of time. Things you'll never find together, Elizabeth Warren. And Pat Buchanan. But I love the reach, sir. That was excellent. I, I knew it was done on you this way and on your Co- listeners. Council General of Israel to the Midwest, sir, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. The markets are down a touch. And the people making electric trucks in Lordstown, their CEO and their CFO have resigned. Immediately. Ah, that's not a that's not a good sign at all. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Especially when you consider all the excitement around electric this, electric that, electric the other, electric your mom. I mean it's electric everything. The CEO and CFO resigned. They've installed a new uh, CEO, or at least an, 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 or not a new CEO, but they have an interim CFO. And they're not so sure this thing can last into 2022. That's going to be an interesting question about how some of these uh, electric companies, electric car companies can do it and some can't, right? Is this a question of, of just nonstop capitalization? Or is this a question of a marketplace that is only so big. People could talk about electric from now until the cows come home. But there's only so much that people are interested in. There's only so much that they want. And it could just be a question of bad management for all I know. Meanwhile, the market's looking a little bit down right there. When I say a little bit down, I mean down 244 in the Dow Jones. And then there was this fire at an Illinois chemical plant. That just happened like like an hour ago or a couple of hours ago. 
It's a chemical plant, Northern Illinois, Rockton. And they manufacture fluids and lubricants, grease products distributed worldwide. And residents within a one-mile radius being evacuated due to possible dangerous chemicals being released in the fire. Only a mile? Well, the wind, the wind don't blow? Man, that, I will admit that's the kind of stuff that freaks me out. When I was I was saying I was on vacation last week and flew into Phoenix, uh, we were in Phoenix for for a short while and then spent my time in, in, in Sedona. Um, there were fires there. Uh, you, you you're flying and all of a sudden it's like, hey, it's dark out. Uh, oh, whole flight disaster and, and TSA coming back. The worst people, the worst people. TSA Sky Harbor Airport, Phoenix, Arizona. You were awful and rude and nasty, unnecessarily rude. You being short-staffed does not mean I wait because you've decided. So I should say you decided. I decided. I don't go through that machine. Like I'll go through a metal detector. I don't go through that machine. I'm going to force you to pat me down. This ridiculous thing that they do. So I don't go through the machine. Two minutes later, they open up the metal detector. I'll go through the metal detector. Oh, no, no. You opted out. You have to wait. 10, 15 minutes. Where, where is someone to take care of this? Oh, we're short-staffed. You have to wait. What do you mean I have to wait? Screw you. This is the problem. You don't have no competition. And because you have no competition, you think you could do whatever you want. It was garbage the way I was treated. Simply wrong, simply disgusting. Now, the person who ended up, quote-unquote, taking care of me, I thought was decent enough. Oh, what an absolute mess of a thing. But flying in, saw the fires, like, what was this? Never gotten anywhere near where, where I was in, in, in Phoenix or in Sedona. By the way, if you haven't been to Sedona, may I suggest that you get yourself to Sedona? Could you get yourself to Sedona, like, immediately, if not sooner? Because it's gorgeous. Man, I mean, I, I live in Indiana. Indiana has been better to me than any place I've ever lived. And I'm not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. But, uh, oh my gosh. Mountains. Mountains move me in a way that is irrational. Irrational. If you haven't seen the, the Red Rocks, you gotta, you gotta go do it. You gotta go. Y'all go check it out for yourself. This is Tony Katz today. Mitch McConnell. He does not want to be too far from the action. And he setting the globe on fire. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you. He was on the Hugh Hewitt program this morning. And the question was asked about Joe Biden filling a SCOTUS vacancy in 2024. And he's like, "Mm, no, I wouldn't do that. If you regain the majority in 2022 for the Republicans, and there's a very good chance of that happening, I'll come back to the individual races in a second. 
Would the rule that you applied in 2016 to the Scalia vacancy apply in 2024 to any vacancy that occurred then? Well, I think in the middle of a presidential election, if you have a Senate of the opposite party of the president, you have to go back to the 1880s to find the last time a vacancy was filled. So I think it's highly unlikely. In fact, no, I don't think either party, if it controlled, if it were different from the president, would confirm a Supreme Court nominee in the middle of an election. Uh, you gotta love it. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, oh. Ari sent me this this story, and he's like, "I thought we were done with this crap." Oh no, Ari. No, 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 no. We are never done. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Please, it's it's Animal House people. Someone's gonna be like, you know, the Germans didn't bomb Pearl Harbor. You stop it. Oh, he's just the worst people. Just terrible. I love it. This is this is this is of course the right answer, and of course the left is gonna be out of their mind, and of course, I mean, if if we're paying attention to 2022, right? So I'm asked the question often: Do you think Trump's gonna run? I have no idea. I I have no idea. Um, if you ask me, do I think Ron DeSantis has said to Donald Trump many times, ah, I got this. You, you sit this one out. Yes. Yes. But it's gone something like, well, sir, I think that I could be a viable option, sir, if you think I could be a viable option, sir. Oh, can I get you another Diet Coke? And, and that's the way it goes. I think that clearly uh, DeSantis is, is your front runner at this stage of the game. But this stage of the game doesn't mean anything. Now, 2022, some things mean some things. And that kind of decision-making will start... I mean, we're, we're in June. Give it, give it to the kids who are back in school in August and how they go back to school. You find me school districts where they have to wear masks, and I will find you more Republican votes. <laughs> Guaranteed. Right? Let's see how easy that is. By the way, ask me what's going on with hiring. Producer Ari, look, I I, I like that you're here, and and I think you're doing pretty well here, but let me just say for the record, there is no job you couldn't get right now in all of America. Holla! Right? It's, it's, it is nuts. It is insane what is going on. The openings, the everything else. So, I mean, they're, they're, I can't imagine that people of, of a certain age aren't saying to themselves, I, I can make a change right now. I can make a change and, I, and someone's going to hire me. Someone's going to be thankful to hire me. And they will throw things at you. And I'm not talking about in the in the uh, Amy Klobuchar kind of way. I'm talking about money and deals. And oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. But it, it but that unbelievable is also coupled with it's totally frightening. Totally, completely frightening. What what's what's happening? And I really thought when you started rolling back those unemployment benefits 
that you would see people get back to work. Now, maybe that will still be the case. But right now, that hasn't happened. And of course, uh, Arizona, not Arizona, please. I still have vacation on the mind. Indiana has done it. Indiana has done it. By the way, Forbes has a piece. Here's what happened in states that said $300 unemployment benefits would end early. So you've got 26 states that are, are doing this, that are planning to end or have already ended. The, that extra $300 was provided on top of state unemployment insurance scheduled to expire on September 6th. But you have these 26 states that, that did it um, early. So the question is, how is it working? And from the anecdotal, it's not. So, I mean, I, I, I think I may have to wait a little bit longer. Uh, the chief economist of the Indeed Hiring Lab, his name is Jed, Jed Kolko, he uh, published a post analyzing job search activity on Indeed before and after states declared an end to the benefits and noted that in May there was an increase in job search activities in states that had announced an early end to the $300 federal unemployment benefit. There were nearly 5% more clicks on job postings in states that were ending the benefit early on the day uh, governors made the announcement. Well, the question is, where does it go from here? Updated data in early June uh, shows uh, that governors who canceled benefits are like um, the, the, the activities up in some states that are opting out early of federal unemployment benefits and down in others. The four states that chose a draconian cutoff date to end benefits June 12th, almost three months uh, before the official date ended of September 6th, they found that the, quote, share of national job search activity in these four states, measured by clicks on job postings, is several points below the late April baseline, even though enhanced unemployment benefits are ending imminently. I, I am at... An epic loss. So I've been staring at this. And this is data that just has just come in. Right? And what in the world does this tell us? What in the world could people be doing? And you, you really do get the feeling from employers. And, and listen, if you're an employer, I want to hear from you. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY is the number. What I, what I hear... And what I see is that there is a strange Frenchness that is happening to the nation. Somehow I believe there is a belief that, no, 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 federal government will give us something, we'll be okay. These states may not be doing it, but the federal government, that, that, that'll, that, they'll, they'll give us, it'll be fine. Like somehow there's a belief that if we could just skate by Scoot by, push it by, get by, everything's okay. I spoke with one uh, cigar store owner who is uh, under the belief, based on having done this for a while, right? I talked to a lot of cigar people, so it's not too surprising I was talking to somebody who owns a cigar place. Um, some people want uh, to take the week, take the summer off. 
Oh no no no! They 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 had a lot of rough times, so they they want to take the summer off. So they 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 maybe uh, came back a little bit, and they maybe grabbed some some cash, and that's that. Oh well, that's just frightening as can be. That's just absolutely frightening as can be. To think that that could be the case, that you 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 could have. People just feel so confident about saying, all right, I got enough. I don't don't need to work for the next two months. The jobs are everywhere. And I have to tell you, I mean, this this was a conversation that, you know what, you're going to cut off the unemployment benefits. It's not going to make a difference. And I said, it's a perverse incentive. Because it still is. That's the funny thing. I said, it's a perverse incentive. And it should make a difference. If it's not making a difference, it doesn't change the fact that it's a perverse incentive. And it shouldn't be paid. This is the weirdness of the argument. Let, if the, the people who, who, who will push forth the idea that, uh, you see, uh, you didn't have to cut off these benefits, still haven't solved the problem. If the benefits aren't the thing that are keeping people from taking jobs, then what exactly is? But it wouldn't take away from the fact that the benefits should not happen. The extended benefits are indeed disincentive to working and sets forth the belief, once again, that government will simply take care of things. When, of course, that's not the role of government. So when I discuss this, this Frenching up, Right, there's really this this socialisming up. That's what we're talking about. It's setting the mind. When we had the bailouts, I said the very worst part of the bailout was not that it it, it ruined me because it, it it changed the way people engaged in investments. And at the time, I was trying to set up a couple of things, and nothing worked out. Oh, I, I lost everything I owned during the bailouts. But the biggest problem was not the one that I had was that it it set the mind to the idea that when things go bad, don't worry, government will take care of it. Right? Government has to do something about this. Well, everyone's got a different version of what government's got to do. Government for you has got to do this, and government for you has got to do that. So therefore, what does the government have to do? Everything. Government has to do everything. And so therefore, they try. But when you bail out these companies... You're saying we don't let bad things happen. And that is a terrible, awful, very bad lesson to teach people. It's dangerous. And I think we're doing it again. No, no, no. I know that we're doing it again. That's the problem. Oh, I, 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 I promised. I, I promised I'd talk about AOC. I, I, I will. I will, but I, I, I can't. I cannot leave you without talking about this one. This is just too good. Your car's seatbelt, safety miracle, or decapitation nightmare? What is the connection between rain and farming? The answer may surprise you. Heroin, sex, machine guns, flamethrowers, murder. There's no story here. We've just found that ratings go up when we say those words. It's time for the worst headline of the day. According to Yahoo News, yoga instructor and body activist believes yoga has been polluted by white supremacy. 
It's stretching. Warrior pose knows no race. Downward facing dog is only an insult to downward facing dogs. I would venture to say, says our dear Yogi, her name is Jessamine Stanley, I would venture to say that everything in our collective society is rooted in white supremacy. I am sure there are many people who would disagree with that, and honestly, I don't care because I believe that, and I know it's the case. Well, as long as she believes what it is she said, I guess that's all there is to it. Stand down, everybody. No reason to teach this woman. She just knows all things. My gosh, how how much do you hate yourself? How much... Meanwhile, Tom Hanks is getting punched in the face for not being anti-racist. You see, he, he's opposed to racism, but he's not anti-racist. He wrote an essay in the New York Times. Right? Tom Hanks recently wrote an essay in the New York Times urging more widespread teaching the 1921 Tulsa race massacre. I... I would agree but now you've got people saying that's not enough it's time for tom hanks to be anti-racist because you can never be left enough and as we discuss with black lives matter right and and the uh and the the grift You think you're on the inside until you realize you're on the outside because the circle not only gets smaller, the circle changes and morphs and moves and you no longer fit in. Tom Hanks ain't woke enough. Oh, you woke folk, that thing you do. I feel good about that one. I'm Tony Katz. So you know the basics of the story. Representative Ocasio-Cortez has a grandmother who lives in Puerto Rico. There's a problem with the roof. She takes pictures and says, look what Donald Trump did to my grandmother's roof. It got damaged during Hurricane Maria. It still isn't repaired. He stopped the money from coming. She makes $175,000 a year and drives a Tesla, but has no money to help her abuela, as she refers to her, fix her roof. So Matt Walsh conservative. You see him over at Daily Wire. He's like, ah, here, we'll do a GoFundMe. We'll help your abuela. Raises over $100,000. Ocasio-Cortez won't take it. You don't understand. No, no, we understand perfectly. Your grandmother needs her roof fixed, and you let her live like this. But there are millions of Americans who help their grandmothers fix their roofs every single day who don't make $175,000 a year. You told us what you value, and what you value is a Tesla, not your abuela. Now comes the follow-up. She won't take the money. Her aunt comes out to say, what are you talking about? Trump is not to blame for what's going on here. Trump's not the problem. There was plenty of aid. It's just it didn't get to the people. Puerto Rico is the problem, which is absolutely correct. Understand that Representative Ocasio-Cortez is a child. Everything that she engages is a childlike policy and a childlike attitude and is always focused on her. She is always a victim. But also remember that she has the killer instinct. As was reported over at Fox News, 
Ocasio-Cortez urges Democrats to move now, hints that a death could cost the party the Senate majority, meaning you've got the 60, you, you, you've got the 50 votes and the filibuster, get everything passed as soon as you can, because if someone on the Democratic side dies, you've got no more power. Never forget that her policies are childlike, that she is a selfish, self-indulgent child when it comes to policy and her attitudes. But she has the killer instinct because like a child, she wants what she wants. I'm Tony Katz.